0: What's going on? What's good? How's everybody doing out there? Welcome to the ruler of the court podcast. The ruler is back. The ruler being me, myself, Jason Jones. Well, I guess I can't really say the ruler is back. I'm back for the first time. Maybe you might want to say, I don't know, but this is your first episode of this brand new podcast. That's going to give you your King's talk. What's going on with the team on and off the court and also gonna give you a little mix of my my favorite thing to discuss or one of them. Uh my love for hip hop, my love for music, my love for the hip hop culture. But before we get started on, on music and all that those lovely things, got a lot to cover with these here Sacramento Kings. I mean it's it's you know more the same the more things change, the more things stay the same with the kings. Um uh, at the time of this recording. The Kings have not played the New Orleans Pelicans yet, so maybe some things will change. But I don't think the overall overarching theme of what's wrong with the Kings will change. Because, hey, these are the Kings, the team with the longest active playoff drought going on in the league. So there's always, <laughs> generally, something wrong with the Kings. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, this, this episode's headline, the big news... Uh, The Kings are soft Yep, that's right It comes straight from the players' mouths It comes straight from watching them play The Kings are soft And why why am I saying the Kings are soft? Let's just dive into that right now Previous seven games The Sacramento Kings have given up an average of 132 points a game I'm going to say it again 132 points a game yeah, that's an average of well over thirty points a quarter. I mean, they actually, they'd be doing good if it was just thirty points a quarter. Then they'd be at one twenty, but no, <laughs> one hundred and thirty-two points a game. You know how like re- just This is that's insane. Over a seven-game stretch, Kings are the worst defensive team in basketball, and of all those games. None of those games went to overtime. We're not talking about, you know, a triple overtime game that inflated these numbers and maybe somebody got to 145 because they played an extra 50. No. The Kings are giving this up. They're giving it up in four quarters. It's not pretty. Um... One of the King's traditions of recent years or maybe let's say the last 14 or 15 years, uh, no defense, little defense. They're out there giving you all of that right now. Just, well, that's part of the problem. They're not giving you the defense. And just how did we get here? I don't, you know, it's, <laughs> this is a group that talks about, you know, they talked all before the season. They were going to be, they were not going to lay down. They were going to, you know, fight teams that, you know, they weren't going to be pushovers. You had De'Aaron Fox. You know, going at the meet, you know, a media member, uh, my buddy Amina Hassan, about a little flippant joke comment remark he made about De'Aaron not being John Morant. You know, my guy, Rashawn Holmes, the guy I really like, you know. Not, not that I don't like De'Aaron, but I do like De'Aaron. But that was one example. You got Rashawn replying to Richard Jefferson when Richard Jefferson said, you know, he tweeted that he felt sorry for uh, Luke Walton, King's coach. Uh, also rich is a you know college teammate at arizona but he felt sorry for me he said the kings had the worst roster in the nba i thought that was harsh clearly rashawn replied like hold up you know to accept it to that but these last seven games <laughs> they're not doing anything to change your mind or anyone's mind that's not this is not the worst team in basketball It's just by the way they've played not based on the record, just by the way they've played. Like I said, 132 points allowed per game. I'm trying to think, how could I give up 132 points on a video game? I'm thinking probably set it on 12, got to be at least 10, 12 minute quarters on 2K to get that high. That's pretty damn impressive to give up 132 points per game. So you have all these guys who are, you know, they're going back at the media members. They're taking their this disrespect. They're not going to take it anymore. You know, you're not going to talk about our team. And then you go out there and do what the Kings did last Friday. You go out there and essentially lay down for the L.A. Clippers. Just let an eight-point game turn into a 38-point loss. And really, and and I've seen some, you know, since 2008, 2009, I've seen some well, pretty sad efforts defensively. That's right up there. That's got to be top five amongst the worst defensive efforts i've seen from this franchise just to go out there and let a team i mean we we all know paul george is an all-star paul's having an amazing season kawhi leonard's kawhi leonard you know but clippers didn't have lou williams out there he wasn't out there you know coming off the bench you know giving them work but no you did you had luke Kennard getting loose you had marcus morris you had terrence man they're they turning all of these guys into wow the stars and yeah, it was it was pretty ugly, and it kind of goes back to that those two quarters where they just, like I said, essentially just said, "Okay, we're gonna let the Clippers do whatever they want to us." Just brings us back to a bigger issue with this team, like you know, just what's up with the core of this team? You know, not just you know, just kind of the eternal uh, makings of this team, because to go out there like that. I don't want to hear a damn thing about a coach. I don't care who your coach is. For you to go out there and play like that, to play essentially like you have no pride, like you just didn't care, that's not on the coach. You can't, uh, these are grown men, these are professionals. No one should have to motivate you to go out there and play. As Glenn Robinson said after the game, which is another story as to why... No, just that Glenn Robinson was speaking for the team Friday night. You know, that's another issue I'll get to later. I'm talking about the core of the team. But as he said, if you need Luke Walton, if you need Rico Hines, or you need someone to come there and get you hype, you're in the wrong business. These guys are paid well. And I'm usually not the Mr. Well, look at their paycheck. You know, I, that's not my thing. I don't get in. I, I don't think you should judge these guys just solely off how much money they make. But these are professional athletes. And you, people want to tell me that you know they need a coach to motivate them. No, you don't. How about the fact that Paul George is beating your head in? How about the fact that Kawhi Leonard doing whatever he wants? How about some pride. Haven't seen enough of that in the last couple of weeks. And maybe by time <laughs> they the Kings get on the road this coming week, maybe they'll find some of that pride. You know, they'll be playing Memphis and coming up. You no, know, not too distant future maybe they'll find some pride on their you know on on, out there on the road maybe something you know register and they'll get this thing going but right now not a lot to be proud about you know just hey like i said defense is about effort pride tenacity things the kings are not exhibiting right now and it's 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 tough to watch i ain't gonna lie it's tough to watch you know i took a little chance it's gonna be a dry january for me no Hennessy, no Crown, no nothing. I was going to you know, try to get my health right, but you watch the Kings enough, I tell you. You might need to sip something during the game. You know, I didn't do that, but if I could have, I might have, just because watching them play defense is a sad, sad, sad situation right now. And, whew, don't really know what to say much more about that, but now that we've covered the defense, I want to kind of get to, as I said, the core of the team. A lot of this talk about the Kings is... They're a young team, they're a young team, they're a young team. And in essence, they are a young team, you know, in some areas. You know, De'Aaron Fox is still a, he's in his fourth year, but he's like, you know, he's still a young, younger guy. He's 20, you know, about 23. You know, Marvin Bagley's hasn't even played 90 games in his career, even though he's in his third season. He's still, you know, relatively young. But if you look at the Kings rotation, the only really, really, really young guy on the team this is rookie Tyrese Halliburton he's the and, and quite honestly a lot of these nights he looks way more composed than some of the vets that's the problem so you, you, I got go back to the core of this team you know and when I say the core I'm talking about Fox, Buddy Yield, Marvin Bagley those are your three young you know you know core nucleus pieces right now And I, I would throw Halliburton in there too you know I'm looking at guys you know outside of buddy three guys still on the rookie deals fox's max deal kicks in next season but these are kind of your young core pieces and when when times get tough these are the guys you should be looking to to kind of right the ship i know people will say harrison barnes is in that mix i would agree that harrison's a leader on this team but in terms of who has to be the best players for this team to be successful, you start with the backcourt with this team. You start with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill, and quite they, they just they weren't they haven't been giving what the team needs consistently enough for this team to have a chance to fight. It's quite you know so you have to look at can this can that core because those four guys are they on course to build something that you would say you know what. They got something there. I don't want to judge them all off of this week or these last seven games. But right now, you know, Marvin's still got room to grow. But you got to put that spot, you know. And I think Tyrese has shown that he has the potential to be probably the number one guy on this team in the not-too-distant future. So that put the spotlight on the two guys, Buddy and De'Aaron. De'Aaron spoke to the media on Saturday and talked about how... This is after Harrison Barnes came out and out. Said the team had been soft. This is why they can't stop anybody. They're just being—they're just soft. They played soft, and I would hundred percent, well, two hundred percent agree that yes, they are. They have been soft. It, you know, it's, it's been laughable. But back to De'Aaron. What De'Aaron was saying that, you know, it's about you know being more consistent, and he then he said it starts with him, and I'm glad he said that because that—that's probably the most the truest thing he said during his media time. It does start with him. You don't give a guy a max contract. I mean, if you look at the guys that got max contracts uh, from the 2017 draft class. De'Aaron's the only one who hasn't been an all-star. He's the only one, I think, who hasn't been to the playoffs. So the spotlight rightfully so is on De'Aaron right now. What are you going to do to fix this thing? What are you going to do to get this thing going? And going back for the last two or three years, one of the questions the Kings internally you know, whether it be front office, you know, coaching wise, I've always had about De'Aaron is, is he going to be that guy who's going to be a, you know that leader? Is he going to be that guy who we can turn to, to be that franchise cornerstone? Is he a, you know, elite level all-star or is he just a, maybe just a very good player? You know, is he, is he Mike Conley you know who's had a you know a, a great career, but has never been that franchise player, or is he Russell Westbrook? Is he that guy who's just going to impose his will and just dominate games? And right now, he's way more Mike Conley than he is you know than he is a Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. You know, and right now, De'Aaron's averaging about nineteen points, five assists. Shooting forty-five percent, about thirty-five percent from three, But a tad above seventy percent. No, from the free throw line. Just those aren't, you know, superstar numbers. Those aren't all-star numbers, especially when your team is five and eight. You know, you don't get a pass for being a good leader when your team is five and eight. And really, right now, no one's giving De'Aaron a pass. And right now, he shouldn't get a pass because. He's not playing up to the level he needs to play out on a consistent level. We see flashes of it. You know, we saw it a couple of games ago against Portland when he, you know, put up some decent numbers against Dame and CJ. We saw it a little bit against, you know, Indiana when he went against Malcolm Brogdon. But De'Aaron's got to be a pain in the ass for everybody. He plays every single night on both ends of the court. Teams should hate having to see De'Aaron Fox on the schedule. They the post and point guard should be like, Oh damn, here we go again. I gotta chase this dude around. And he's gonna be a pain on defense. He's gonna use those long arms and that, that quickness. He's gonna he's gonna, you know, frustrate me. It's gonna be a pain. He's gonna make it hard for me to get up to court. That should be the standard, that should be the norm. That should be set in the table. And I think may you know, perhaps maybe these you know, this last couple of weeks. That'll put De'Aaron in that mindset because, as I said, that was one of the questions about De'Aaron. is just not not his talent, but does he have the intangibles to be a leader? It's something I've talked to him about. It's something he said, you know, he's always said he's working at getting better, about being more vocal. But I think right now, it's not so much the being vocal that they need from De'Aaron. They need the play. They need him to play like a franchise player. Yeah, true. Maybe De'Aaron's not a you know a number one, top five, top ten type player. Eventually, he's not in that elite. You know, build a team. You know, build a team around that guy or that guy as the centerpiece. Maybe he's not. But for what you know, what he can be right now is a guy that, as the season goes on, where, where teams around the league say, you know what, he's playing at an all-star level. You know. He's shown flashes. He showed flashes last, you know, about a year a little more than a year ago, when the Kings went on that run over about a 20-game stretch to get themselves in a position that you know, earn a trip to the bubble. They went 13 and 7 over 20, and De'Aaron played some of the best basketball of his career. He showed it early on in the bubble when he got there and where he was aggressive, attacking, going at going at guys. He's shown that he can do it. But as he said and I co-sign and I'm pretty sure coach staff co-signs he's got to do he's got to do it all the time it's one of those things where De'Aaron's talked about it and he said the coaches ask him why don't why aren't you aggressive all the time and he really has no answer no I don't know and that's if he's going to be the leader of this team the one thing we can never question about De'Aaron if he's the leader of this team is his aggression there should never be a question of whether or not De'Aaron is going all out all the time, and right now there are questions about it just because he can't you know he can't outscore Reggie Jackson you know fourteen to eleven you no know, that that that's that can't be acceptable that can't be the standard the standard must be higher for him, you know, and I think for this team to ever become good, the standard of play for everyone must be raised, but it starts with your best player this is a players' league, and you know. The guys on the team have all said De'Aaron Fox is their best player. So, that being said, they need more from De'Aaron Fox. And then that text is over to the other guy in the backcourt, Buddy Hill. Now, I will never question Buddy Hill's work ethic, his desire. I think Buddy Hill's one of the hardest-working guys I've ever seen, you know, in the, that I've covered in the league. I mean, Buddy is a straight gym rat. But, that being said, they need more for Buddy. And I think, you know... But he said the right things, but, but he's got to do. Also, got to bring that as well. You know, he's averaging 15 points, for about four rebounds, three assists. But he's shooting 36% from the field, 36% from three, and overall his numbers are you know just down. I mean, he's trying a lot harder on defense, which is great, but. He got that big contract, you know, four years worth up to 106 million dollars. I mean, he's not going to hit all the incentives. I mean, some of them incentives are defensive, and come on now, that's not going to probably hit, that's not going to happen. But you get that contract because you're one of the best shooters in the game, and he's got to shoot. You know, they need him shooting like that. You know, you know he's getting up a ton of threes, which I as I expected he would this year. He's you know he's going to get up a ton of those, but. He's got to he's got to overall bring that entire shooting percentage up. Shooting thirty six percent for the season. No, even though it's a long season, you know that's not you know we got enough games now. We can say this is not. It may qualify as a slight slump for Buddy in terms of his shooting. You know teams are defending him differently, but you know my man is getting up an insane amount of threes per game. As you know as you know he's up he's up right now prior to playing the pelicans almost 15 threes a game which is where he was last about where he was last season but he's just not making them at the same rate so it's just oh it, yo know, so yeah, it's, this is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be you know something to watch you know i just think it's uh Actually let me let me dial that back. I, I think I might have misspoke on his threes. He actually had eleven. I was uh sorry, I had the wrong stats in front of me. Y'all forgive me. You know, watching the Kings play defense is my brain. Buddy's at about 11 threes per game, which was where he was last year, making about four. So So yeah, that's about where he is, but no. You can't have him shooting, you know, thirty six percent overall. I mean He's taken 15 shots a game. He's making five and a half, you know, on average, five and a half shots a game. Where he's been, you know, he's he hasn't been at that level since his rookie year in terms of shot making. The Kings need more from him, you know. Buddy has all the confidence in the world to shoot, but he's got to he's got to give them more. I don't think I'm not breaking any news with saying that, but he has to give them more. The Kings need more from Buddy Hill. So, if this thing is going to get turned around, from where I sit, it starts with those two guys in the backcourt. Then it flows from there. If De'Aaron's being a dog on the ball defensively, like I said, Buddy is not going to be Tony Allen. Buddy is not going to be Kawhi Leonard on the perimeter. But as long as Buddy is giving effort and trying, you can cover up for maybe some of his deficiencies. But you can't have, you no. Know, you can't, only, you can't only have Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes being your solid defenders and then have three-week links around that. You can't have that because what you have is you'll get what the Clippers did to you. The Clippers are going to get your ass, your head handed to you, your ass beat, which is what happened to them. And it'll keep on happening until the, these guys as a group hold each other accountable, until the coaching staff also holds them accountable, and they do better. So If they're going to play defense like that, I'd rather watch Corey Joseph and Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt knowing they're at least trying if they're making mistakes where there's no question about their effort. And it's a damn shame that for a team that says it wants to make the playoffs, they're tired of being a butt of the joke of teams around the league that we're talking about effort. That's, that right there tells you all you need to know about what's going on with this season. Which brings me to my last point about this here, Kings team. It's just about the culture. We talked about how they're doing, how this core, that, you know, that young core, so to speak. Because I'm not going to call them a young team. They have They do have a young nucleus. But overall, I don't think this is a young team. But it brings us to the culture. Uh, I go away. Like I said, I've been covering this team, as you, most of you all know, since 2009. So I've got a long history of veterans who come to this team and ask me, has it always been this way? I'm like, pretty much yeah and what they mean is the young anointed or you know so-called best young player on the team not being held accountable not being held to a high enough standard to turn things around and let's just do recent history with the group this kind of young group that you have right now you had Iman Shumpert who would get into people about not 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 playing hard you know you had him before Then after Ramon, you know, Kings got tired of Iman or whatever. They didn't think he was a good influence in the locker room, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. They move on from They trade Iman. You eventually get Harrison Barnes in there. And you finish out the, you know, 2018-19 season. You get last year, you know, Trevor Ariza side-eyeing some of these guys about their effort. But, of course, you know, the way Kings Twitter, Kings fans work, no one liked Trevor Ariza. So, you know. And plus, probably, you know, the Kings were probably playing him a little more than they planned to play him. But this is the way the season was shaken out. For whatever reason, Luke Walton trusted him. So Luke was going to go to the guy he trusted, you know, just you know, to get stops or to, to be a defender. So you you move on from him, you get Kent Bazemore in. Kent Bazemore is talking about being, you know, discipline, accountability. You no, know, the, the, that's what Bates is talking about. You fast forward to this season. Bayes is now on Golden State. Now it's Glenn Robinson and Hassan Whiteside saying the exact same things, and they are not going to call anyone out by their name, which is because you know you're going to protect your teammates. But if everyone's saying there's not a culture of accountability, or we need to be more accountable, we need you know to give more effort on that end. And that points back to whoever the building blocks or the core building pieces of that team. So as of now. You know, De'Aaron, Buddy, Marvin, these guys are all on notice. All of them. I think the only one right now who's going to get a pass from anyone is Tyrese being a rookie. But, like I said, I'm I'm starting with the backcourt. Those guys have got to be better. They've got to sh- they've got to show the culture is different. Because right now, the culture doesn't look any different at all. I don't care if you replace the coach. I don't care who's. I don't, I'm don't. i not convinced that they're going to be any different. I mean, some of those guys from that group didn't like playing for Dave Yeager. Get rid of Dave. You get a coach and they all say they like. You know, he communicates so much better. He always lets us know what's going on. Same effort. At some point, you have to ask, are these efforts in their DNA? Can it be changed? That's what I'm looking forward, starting with the New Orleans game and then the road trip. Can they show that they're not just the same old Kings? right now, I'm about ready to just go ahead and go full into uh, draft mode and wonder who they're going to pick in the lottery. So... With that being said, I've talked way, I've talked enough about the Kings and their problems, and we're going to talk a lot about the Kings and probably their problems all all, all season. But I want to jump into something I'm really excited to talk about Uh, my hip hop segment, my music segment. Yo, this is what I do. This segment might get, you know, flipped over the course of the season. I might mix in some, you know, some pop culture reality TV stuff. Y'all, y'all, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm random. I might be talking about Real Housewives of Atlanta. Don't judge me. I like trash TV sometimes. I might talk about pro wrestling. You don't know where I'm going to go with this. But the staple of this, of the Ruler of the Court podcast, shout out to Slick Rick, shout out to Jay-Z with the ruler's back, you know, all that stuff, is that I rule this court and we're going to talk about one thing i love to talk about like i said is hip-hop and i'm gonna i'm gonna start off by taking everyone back in history past week was the anniversary the i can't believe i'm saying this the 30-year anniversary of the release of one of the best hip-hop west coast hip-hop albums of all time one of the uh Albums that, you know, put me into further had me enveloped or engulfed in 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 the rap world. Uh, January 15th, 1991 on Profile Records. This album, Quick is the Name, by the legendary DJ Quick, dropped thir- like I said, 30 years ago. Man, I'm old. I was in middle school when this dropped. Had no business knowing all these songs. <laughs> had no business listening to them. Starting with track number one. I had no business knowing this music. But I did. But this is a monumental album in music history. Particularly West Coast history. And why is this album important? I'm going to give you a few reasons. Y'all can tweet me. Y'all can hit me on Instagram. Whatever you want to do. And I tell me I'm wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong. I rule this court. I know I'm right. I'm going to give you some reasons why this album was so important. At that point in the game, you know, the West Coast had been defined by, you know, the likes of N.W.A, you know, Ice Cube, all that whole genre, Ice T, you had or you had the 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 other direction, kind of more the pop poppy hip hop. You know, you had MC Hammer, you had, you know, Young MC, all people I like by the way. And being a kid, it was cool because your mom let you listen to Young MC and MC Hammer because they weren't cussing. So but what Quick did, I think he brought a different type of musicianship to West Coast hip hop. You know, you know, his he had a you know, his beats were smooth, he had you know they were melodic, he introduced, you know, the interlude, Quick's Groove, which was just, you know, instruments and melodies. He brought a different kind of flavor to the game. And that flavor would, you know, then carry on into some of his production work where, he, you know, he, he produced stuff for Tupac. You know, I still to this day say the beat for Hearts of Men that Quick produced is one of the, is a timeless beat. You know, I could, I could play Hearts of Men on a repeat to his day. And that song is my God, 25 years old. Yeah, I I feel old right now. But he, he brought that, you know, you saw him jump on, you know, he was able to produce for people like Jay-Z. Quick crossed over into R&B With uh, Doing stuff with Tony, Tony, Tony He did some His music And his style Had an impact not just On West Coast hip hop But hip hop as a whole And side note Quick's hairstyle had an impact on my prom hair in 1996 when I wore a press and curl to the prom. Uh, Might showed them pictures one day on social media. But yeah, your boy did uh, get the go to the shop and get the hair pressed out for the prom because I was trying to be fly like guys like Quick. You know, have my pink rollers in. But that's like I said I'm going. <laughs> I'm kind of veering off on y'all right now. But like I said, this album right here is, is to me is one of the best you know albums ever talking about you know the the single tonight you know just the, you know the tale of a guy drinking too much and yeah you're gonna do it again tonight you know, you're gonna do it again you know you know in this born and raised in compton it was a different type of it, it, it wasn't that hard you know boom straight out of compton nwa gave you it was a different thing you know and yeah you know introduced some of us who had no business knowing about it introduced us to you know Sako and gin you know that's probably not good for a kid to know about but it what but hey it is what it is but this album right here like i said established a different type of music for the west coast it gave us you know second to none high c amg Mossberg just uh it, it spawn, you know it gave us some other stuff and then Quick would go on to give us other classics you know way too funky you know which gave us the single Just Like Compton he gave us you know Dollars and Cents his back and forth with MC8 he just it just spawned so much and it was gangster rap but it was like a it was smooth gangster rap if I, if that makes any sense to y'all so I wanted to shout out and give credit and props to the one and only dj quick who actually i did see at a king's clippers game he was performing at halftime in retrospect i should have said something i got a picture and autograph something not an autograph at least a picture you know he's one of my favorite all-time artists but hey i wasn't trying to be you know i wasn't trying to be a little fanboy or nothing at that moment but one thing i 2020 taught me was that you know what You got to take advantage of some of the moments. Don't let memories pass you by. And so that's why I wanted to start this thing off by taking y'all back in history. A little bit on a little hip hop. You know, hit me up if you've got a disagreement. I'd love to debate this. You know, we can have some fun with it. And let me know what you're listening to. Right now, I've actually kind of been a little more of an R&B thing. I've been on this new Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels. I love how, (laughs) you know, she's... You know, giving women a, uh, a voice, a platform to speak their truth in a different way—that ain't hip hop. But hey, to me, I'll we can talk about anything about music. Let me know what you're listening to new, what you think is coming out. You think I might like? We can discuss it here. This time we did a you know a trip in hip hop history. I might go back thirty years. I might go back a year. I might do something current next time. I can't tell you, but just know you're gonna get your good king's talk here my un the unadulterated unfiltered point of view that i only i can give you and we're gonna go here and dive into a little music every now and then probably even have some musical guests you know hopefully you know not just king's guests maybe mixing some music in sports you know because we all know that basketball players all want to be rappers and all rappers want to be basketball players so hey it is what it is so I'm not going to drag this out much longer, y'all. I appreciate you checking out the very first episode of the Ruler of the Court podcast. I am the ruler of this court. I'm your honored, so honored to be your host. I am Jason Jones of The Athletic, of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm just everywhere. Y'all know where to find me. Check me out on Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. Uh, theathletic.com and yeah we're gonna keep this thing rolling thanks again i appreciate you hit me up we will we can keep chopping this thing up and keep making this thing bigger and better appreciate it catch you next time and i'm out